Welcome to the Daily News and Brief podcast. Today is the 23rd of July and this week's main stories are A COVID-19 vaccination being developed by researchers at the University of Oxford has been found to induce an immune response to the illness. The first phase of human trials saw doses of the vaccine given to 1,077 healthy adults in April. The results of this phase were published in the Lancet Journal on Monday, revealing the vaccine-induced strong antibody and T-cell immune responses for up to 56 days after the volunteers received the jab. According to researchers, the immune response could be even greater after a second dose. Compared to a control group, those who received the vaccine reported minor side effects more frequently, but these could be reduced by taking paracetamol. While the findings are promising, scientists have warned more research must be done to determine whether the immune response is effective enough to protect against COVID-19. The government has already ordered 100 million doses of the Oxford vaccine, as well as investing millions to secure two other more experimental jabs. On Monday, it was confirmed the government had bought 30 million doses of the mRNA vaccine being developed by the German company BioNTech and 60 million doses of a vaccine being developed by French firm Valneva. Business Secretary Alok Sharma said partnerships with multiple firms would ensure the UK has the best chance possible of securing a vaccine that protects those most at risk. The details of a trial conducted using an experimental drug known as SNG001 were also published on Monday, revealing it prevented coronavirus from progressing in a majority of critically ill patients. The drug is an inhaled formulation used to improve the recovery of asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease in patients with other lung infections. A trial of the medicine saw it administered to COVID-19 patients in hospital who needed oxygen assistance. It found the number who went on to develop the most severe form of the disease, such as requiring ventilation, was reduced by 79% for patients taking SNG001 compared with those receiving the placebo. News of the treatment follows comments from the Prime Minister playing down the prospect of another nationwide lockdown. Speaking to the Sunday Telegraph, the Prime Minister compared the option of a second lockdown to a nuclear deterrent which he certainly didn't want to use. Johnson said he believed such measures would no longer be necessary in the UK as authorities had improved their capacity to isolate outbreaks. It follows a statement from Johnson on Friday suggesting the UK can hope for a significant return to normality by Christmas. Chief Scientific Advisor Sir Patrick Vallance has struck a more cautious note, telling MPs that the challenges posed by the virus would be much greater come winter and could require national measures. His concerns have been echoed by Wellcome Trust Director Professor Sir Jeremy Farrar. Addressing the Commons Health Committee on Tuesday, Farrar said that even with the potential development of a vaccine, humanity was likely to be living with COVID-19 for decades. Farrar, who sits on the government advisory body SAGE, added, Things will not be done by Christmas. This infection is not going away. It's now a human endemic infection. In England, Blackburn with Darwin is now registering the country's highest coronavirus infection rate. Figures from Public Health England show the borough had a rate of 78.6 cases per 100,000 people in the week to the 17th of July, higher than that of Leicester, where a local lockdown is in place. The figures come after the head of the Office for National Statistics confirmed the lifting of nationwide lockdown restrictions had not led to a spike in new coronavirus cases. Professor Sir Ian Diamond said positive tests had been basically flat over the last few weeks, despite reports of infection clusters in areas such as Leicester and Blackburn. Meanwhile, new figures released in Scotland show deaths had fallen to their lowest level since the start of the pandemic, with just six fatalities recorded across the country last week. In England and Wales, deaths have also fallen to their lowest level since lockdown was imposed in March, with fatalities down 31% to 366 in the week ending 10th of July. Elsewhere in the world, the World Health Organization, WHO, reported a record daily increase in global cases on Saturday after total infections rose by almost 240,000 in just 24 hours. At the same time, data collated by John Hopkins University showed the global death toll surpassed 600,000 on Sunday. Several authorities around the world have made masks mandatory in public in an effort to contain the spread of disease. Officials in Victoria State, Australia, said face masks and coverings would become mandatory in public spaces from today. The decision is expected to affect roughly 5 million people in and around the city of Melbourne, with breaches of the new rule punishable with an $140 fine. 
In France, residents will face a fine of 135 euros if they fail to comply with a new rule making it mandatory to wear a mask in indoor public spaces. In Hong Kong, leader Carrie Lam has already made masks compulsory on public transport. On Sunday, Lam confirmed this would soon be extended to cover all indoor public spaces alongside the tightening of other social distancing measures. In the US, President Trump has suggested it is patriotic to wear a face mask in situations where you can't socially distance. Trump has previously resisted wearing a mask, saying, I don't think I'm going to be doing it. The change in tone came just days before Trump admitted the US epidemic is likely to get worse before it gets better. At his first COVID-19 press briefing since April on Wednesday, the US president said his administration was in the process of developing a strategy that's going to be very, very powerful. More than 3.8 million cases of the virus have been reported in the US so far, and more than 143,000 people have died. Elsewhere, the WHO has warned that rising cases in South Africa could be a precursor for wider outbreaks across the continent. More than 370,000 cases, around half of those reported on the continent, have been recorded in South Africa. WHO Emergencies Chief Michael Ryan said the outbreak may be a warning for what will happen in the rest of Africa. Meanwhile, in Europe, Marathon Talks have finally delivered a deal on an unprecedented €750 billion COVID-19 recovery fund. The agreement was struck after EU leaders shifted their positions following the bloc's longest summit in two decades. European Council President Charles Michel said the deal would be seen as a pivotal moment in Europe's journey. In UK news, UK ministers and intelligence agencies failed to prepare for the threat posed by Russian interference in British politics, a long-awaited report into the issue has revealed. The report from Parliament's Cross-Party Intelligence and Security Committee, ISC, found the government and intelligence services made no serious attempt to investigate hostile foreign interference in British democratic processes at the time of the 2016 EU referendum. As a result, the ISC said they could not definitively conclude whether or not Russia had successfully interfered in the referendum. In a news conference following the report's publication, committee MP Stuart Hosey said ministers actively avoided looking for evidence of Russian interference in the Brexit vote and did not want to know. The report did, however, find credible open source commentary showing the Kremlin carried out influence campaigns relating to the 2014 Scottish independence referendum. In light of this interference, the ISE has criticised UK security services for failing to conduct a threat assessment ahead of the Brexit referendum. Had British intelligence done so, it is inconceivable that they would not have reached the same conclusion as to Russian intent, which might have led them to take action to protect the process, the report said. The government has rejected the committee's call for a full assessment into potential meddling in the 2016 referendum and insisted it has seen no evidence of successful interference. The Kremlin has dismissed the report's findings and accused the UK of taking a leading role in Russia-phobia. Downing Street is reportedly considering new laws aimed at cracking down on foreign espionage in the wake of the report. The proposed legislation would mean foreign agents would have to register in the UK. It follows calls from the ISC that the out-of-date Official Secrets Act, under which it is not illegal to be a foreign agent in the UK, be replaced with new legislation. Chancellor Rishi Sunak has announced above-inflation pay rises for public sector workers in England. The Treasury announcement will affect almost 900,000 workers, with teachers awarded the largest pay increase of 3.1%. Police, prison officers and National Crime Agency staff will see their pay rise 2.5%, while doctors and dentists will receive a 2.8% increase. Nurses, midwives and hospital porters are not covered by the rise, although their pay is set to increase by at least 6.5% over three years from 2018 under the terms of a separate deal. While the pay rise has been broadly welcomed, Labour warned it would not make up for a decade of real-terms pay cuts incurred under the previous public sector pay freeze. News of the rise follows a report from the Resolution Foundation, suggesting British households have suffered the most significant hit to their finances since the mid-1970s. The think tank said the average household in Britain had faced a 4.5% dive in income in May, compared with their average monthly income in the year to the end of March. 
This lump is bigger than that faced by families during the 2008 financial crisis, where the typical working age household income fell by 2.7%. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has condemned the gross, egregious human rights abuses facing Uyghur Muslims in China. It follows the recent emergence of drone footage, which appears to show blindfolded and shackled Uyghurs being led onto trains in Xinjiang. Shown the pictures on the BBC's Andrew Marr show on Sunday, China's ambassador to the UK said, sometimes you have a transfer of prisoners in any country. Liu Xiaoming has denied Uyghurs are being placed in concentration camps. Despite widespread evidence showing systematic human rights abuses against Uyghurs in Xinjiang, including detainment and forced sterilisation, China has insisted the camps are for re-education. The foreign secretary has described the reports as deeply troubling. It comes amid increasingly strained relations between China and the UK. On Monday, Raab announced that the UK had suspended its extradition treaty with Hong Kong. Addressing MPs, Raab said new security laws imposed by Beijing in Hong Kong represented a serious violation of the UK-China joint declaration. And as such, the UK would be suspending its extradition treaty immediately and indefinitely. The announcement follows similar moves made by the US, Canada and Australia in response to the draconian new laws. The UK has already offered a path to residency in the UK for 3 million Hong Kong residents in possession of British overseas passports. China has accused Britain of meddling in its domestic affairs. The UK and US have agreed to resolve the anomaly in diplomatic immunity agreements which allowed Anne Sekulas to avoid prosecution following the death of Harry Dunn. Sekulas has been charged with causing death by dangerous driving after Dunn, 19, was killed in a collision near RAF Crowton in Northamptonshire last year. Sekulas fled the UK following the collision, with a court hearing last month revealing that a secret agreement had permitted Sekulas to return to the US and avoid prosecution. Under changes made to the agreement, relatives of US staff can now face criminal prosecution where they may have previously claimed immunity. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said changes had closed the anomaly which had led to a denial of justice in Dunn's case. Ten temporary courts are to be established in England and Wales to help clear a backlog of cases caused by the coronavirus pandemic. From next week, the ten venues will hear civil, family and tribunal cases, as well as non-custodial criminal cases. Justice Secretary Robert Buckland said the new Nightingale courts would work to reduce delays and deliver speedier justice for victims. While some hearings continued to be held remotely following the nationwide lockdown in March, jury trials were paused to prevent the spread of the virus. Data from the Ministry of Justice shows magistrates' courts are facing a backlog of more than 480,000 cases, while the backlog in Crown Court stands at more than 41,000 cases. Actress Amber Heard took to the witness stand at the High Court in London on Monday to accuse her ex-husband Johnny Depp of verbal and physical abuse. Heard claimed the Hollywood star was very good at manipulating people and would blame his actions on a self-created third party instead of himself, which he often called the monster. Her testimony came as part of the defence's case in a libel trial initiated by Depp. Depp is suing the publisher of The Sun, newsgroup newspapers, over an article that referred to him as a wife-beater. The newspaper maintains the piece was accurate, citing Heard's 14 allegations of domestic violence. Depp has denied ever hitting Heard and has told the court Heard was violent towards him, including an alleged incident in which his finger was severed when Heard threw a vodka bottle at him. The hearing is expected to last three weeks. New figures from Rightmove indicate a housing market mini-boom has gathered pace following the announcement of a stamp duty holiday. Chancellor Rishi Sunak lifted the threshold for paying the property transaction tax from £125,000 to £500,000 in a statement on the 8th of July. On Monday, Rightmove said the number of sales agreed in England had risen 35% in the five days after Sunak's announcement, compared with the same period last year. Data from the website also showed property asking prices climbed 3.7% from the 7th to the 11th of July, hitting a record high average of 312,625. Marks & Spencer has announced plans to cut hundreds of jobs as it begins restructuring its workforce in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. In a statement on Monday, M&S said 950 jobs would be axed as part of plans to reduce store management and head office roles. 
The retailer was already facing a significant transformation plan led by Chief Executive Steve Rowe, which aims to cut costs and close some stores. M&S said these existing plans would be accelerated as a result of the coronavirus crisis. Almost all of the retailer's stores were forced to close temporarily under the coronavirus lockdown, prompting M&S to furlough more than 25,000 of its 78,000 employees. Labour has apologised to seven former employees and a BBC journalist who exposed anti-Semitism in the party. In a settlement read in the High Court this week, the party issued a formal apology and admitted its statements made against the whistleblowers last year were defamatory and false. As part of the settlement, Labour has said it will pay substantial damages of between £600,000 and £700,000, with about £200,000 in damages agreed for the eight individuals. It has also agreed to retract allegations that the group had political access to grind and were motivated by their opposition to former leader Jeremy Corbyn. However, Corbyn has criticised the settlement, claiming it risks giving credibility to inaccurate allegations. The whistleblowers have condemned his statement as defamatory and suggested they could continue with legal action against Corbyn personally. Almost 500 new cases involving potentially avoidable baby deaths, stillbirth and brain damage have emerged at Shrewsbury and Telford Hospital NHS Trust. The additional cases bring the total number of incidents being examined by an independent maternity review to 1,862. Led by midwifery expert Donna Ockenden, the review was commissioned in 2017 after the families of two babies who died raised concerns about the Trust's care. West Mercia Police has also launched an investigation to examine whether there is evidence to bring criminal charges against the Trust or individual staff. The additional cases, identified in the examination of paper records, mean maternity failings at the Shropshire Trust could eclipse the Mid-Staffordshire scandal, which was until now the worst in NHS history. British universities have agreed new measures aimed at tackling grade inflation. A report from Universities UK has called on institutions to end the practice of rounding up borderline marks and discounting core or final year modules. The report, which was commissioned by UK Standing Committee for Equality Assessment, also states that only one algorithm should be used to determine final grades and this should be made clear to students when they start. Nearly all UK institutions have increased the number of firsts they award in the past five years. Professor Andrew Wathy, Chairman of the Standing Committee, said it was more important than ever that the public and employers have confidence in the value of British university degrees and their classifications. (laughs) Chancellor Rishi Sunak has launched a review of government spending in a bid to identify budget savings. As the government's COVID-19 response sees billions of pounds pumped into the UK economy, Sunak has warned tough choices will need to be made. The review of spending will be published in the autumn and will detail the government's spending priorities for Parliament, including budgets for day-to-day resource spending in Whitehall departments up until 2023 to 2024. Its launch comes after official figures published on Tuesday reveal government borrowing reached almost £130 billion between April and June, more than double the amount borrowed over the whole of last year. The Confederation of British Industry, CBI, has warned that the government must ban the installation of new gas boilers from 2025 or the UK's net zero climate target will be doomed to fail. A commission convened by the CBI said the ban would apply to conventional gas boilers and should be extended to include all boilers burning fossil fuel by 2035. The commission recommended grants or loans be given to help households and businesses make the switch. Under current government policy, gas boilers will only be banned from 2025 in newly built homes. Elsewhere in the world, Russia's ambassador to London has denied a hacker group linked to Russian intelligence was behind cyber attacks on coronavirus vaccine research. Last week, the UK, US and Canada said hacker group APT29 had targeted labs attempting to develop a COVID-19 vaccine and was almost certainly linked to Russian intelligence. Speaking on the BBC's Andrew Marshall on Sunday, Ambassador Andre Kellen said, I don't believe in this story at all. There is no sense in it. Hitting back, 
UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said he was not surprised in the least that the Russian ambassador had been wheeled out to deny the allegations. Russia always does this when it's behaved in such an egregious way, Raab added. Iran has halted the executions of three men after a hashtag protesting their death sentences was shared millions of times online. Amir Hussein Muradi, Mohammad Rajabi and Saeed Tamjidi were sentenced to death earlier this year after attending anti-government protests in 2019. UN experts believe the men confessed after being subjected to torture. Iran's Supreme Court upheld the sentences last week, prompting a wave of public anger and viral protests, with the Persian hashtag, hashtag do underscore not underscore execute, used 7 million times online. According to a lawyer representing one of the men, a request for retrial has now been accepted by the court. Greta Thunberg has revealed she plans to donate 1 million euro prize winnings after being awarded the inaugural Gulbenkian Prize for Humanity. Judges of the award said Thunberg's tenacious struggle to alter the status quo had made her one of the most remarkable figures of our days. The 17-year-old said she was honoured to receive the prize and would be donating the winnings to charitable projects working to tackle the climate crisis. The Bulgankian Prize is an international award which aims to recognise people and organisations whose contributions to combating climate change stand out for their novelty, innovation and impact. Donald Trump has announced a surge of federal law enforcement officers are to be sent into US cities as protests against police brutality and racial injustice continue. On Monday, the US president condemned Democrat leaders in several cities and accused them of being afraid to act on violent crime and civil unrest. Trump, who has described himself as the president of law and order, has already sent federal enforcements to Portland, Oregon, where local officials warn that officers are escalating violence. Oregon's attorney general has also filed a lawsuit against the federal government, alleging protesters are being unlawfully detained. Despite the opposition, on Wednesday, Trump revealed, Today I'm announcing a surge of federal law enforcement into American communities plagued by violent crime. We'll work every single day to restore public safety, protect our nation's children, and bring violent perpetrators to justice. Elsewhere in the US, the Chinese consulate in Houston has been ordered to close by the State Department. The US said the decision to close the Texas site had been taken in order to protect American intellectual property. It comes after unidentified individuals were filmed burning documents in the building's courtyard. The US later charged two Chinese nationals over allegations they spied on US research companies working on the development of COVID-19 vaccines. China described the order as an unprecedented escalation and accused the US of violating international law. Our facts of the week are Mary Trump's book sold 950,000 copies on the first day of its release, according to publisher Simon & Schuster. Mary Trump, the US president's niece, released the tell-all book, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, on Tuesday. By the end of the day, almost 1 million copies have been sold, including pre-sales, e-books and audiobooks, placing it at the top of Amazon's bestseller list. Robert Trump, the president's brother, had attempted to stop his niece's book in court, but a court order seeking to block its publication was eventually lifted. The coronavirus lockdown has resulted in a number of historical artefacts being unearthed as Britons spend more time tending to their gardens. The British Museum said its portable antiquities scheme had been contacted about several archaeological discoveries, including a medieval silver coin discovered beneath a lawn in Stoke-on-Trent, a post-medieval belt hook found in Herefordshire, and fragments of Roman pottery found in the Leicestershire village of Wimeswold. Peter Reville, a fines liaison officer, said the unearthed relics were one of the benefits of lockdown. People have had time to consider where they are and who has gone before them. And most importantly, they have had the time to get in touch with their discoveries, he added. And finally, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos saw his wealth surge by £10 billion in a single day on Monday after shares in the online retailer jumped nearly 8%. Bezos was already the richest man in the world by a significant margin and is now estimated to be worth £148 billion. The jump in the 56-year-old's fortune is the biggest leap ever recorded by Bloomberg's billionaire tracker. 
it means Bezos's personal wealth is roughly on par with the GDP of Iraq. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.